spaceships and planes a world that to him is real was anything ever imagined we call his ship of terror to fly a giant bird Morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you are in the world. Welcome to Dose Nation. I'm your host, Jay Kettle, and thanks for joining us. With me, as always, founder of Dose Nation and author of Psychedelic Information Theory, Shamanism in the Age of Reason, James Kent. James, how are you? I'm doing great. It's uh, beautiful here in Seattle. The summers in Seattle are awesome. No matter what anybody says about the rain, it is a great place to live in the summertime. Sunny, cool beautiful to go out so i'm really enjoying it here right now up here in the uh, princeton area unfortunately we're, we we uh, had a little bit of a spout of rain in the past couple of days but uh it's supposed to be sunny and beautiful again soon so uh i'll be heading up to north jersey soon and uh, hopefully it'll we'll have good we'll have good weather for that so glad everybody's doing well so um the first thing i want to address and i wanted to talk about this just at the top of the show um is that uh, I posted on the Facebook page, for those of you who follow the Facebook page, you can go to facebook.com forward slash dosenation and like the page there uh, if you want updates you know, from our Facebook page. One of the things I posted is the fact that I was going to be on a monastic retreat with a group of Benedictine monks um, next week, starting on Monday. So when this podcast comes out, I'll, I'll, I'll be at the monastery. And um, I wanted to see if the Dose Nation listeners would be interested in um, a video or an audio series on the on the monastic retreat, the monastic life, and um, what the Benedictines do, and there was a good response to it. So there's a good chance that uh, after I come back from the Abbey, you guys will see either on YouTube or SoundCloud and on the website um, some you know some type of uh, of um, material on on that monastic retreat and what happened, and uh, you know just the general experience and the general feel of the uh, of the monastery. So. Hopefully that'll be something for you guys to look forward to. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope I do it well. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think that'll be interesting. I think people have a lot of uh, preconceptions about what it's like in a Roman Catholic monastery, and that may vary from place to place, depending on where you grew up in the world. So I'm interested to see what it's like. Where is it? Is it in New Jersey? Uh, yeah, it's in northern New Jersey, and hmm. um, and, I, and I've stated this before, and I, and I mentioned that in the comments. Uh, so, someone had commented and said, well, wouldn't that disturb the monastic experience, you know, shooting video, recording audio, you know, clips and things like that. Um, and I've been there once before, so really, um, this trip is for me to further explore the monastic life and to, uh, you know, bring something tangible back with me that I can, you know, bring to the Dose Nation audience and to a larger audience in general. So um, that's that's part of the goal of this trip, too. Oh, okay. So Sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah, so, I'm interested to see what you bring back. Yeah, so um, let, let's uh, let's let's talk about the last interview that we did, which was uh, with with uh, John Lear. With John Lear, yes. Yeah, somebody in the comments asked me, "I'd really like to know what you think about this interview, James." 
And, yeah, uh, so let's uh, let's. You well, go- why don't you start with what you think oh, about the interview? Since oh, you know on. John and you've interviewed him a few times before, you have a very different view of, of, yeah. of him than I do. No, no, I do, and and I think you know part of it is is because I know John and I've known him for for for, for many years now, and uh, and I've interviewed him uh, you know multiple times a year, every year since I think two thousand and eight. So I know John pretty well, and I you know. A lot of the stuff that he says, uh, a lot of people say, you know, man, this is crazy. This is so out there. You know, how could this even be, you know, conceivable? How could this be be even partially true? And you know, and and I see the point because because some of what is said is is very out there. But this is the question that I pose to people, and this is and this is the question that I've that, that I've had to ask myself, knowing John and you know, um, uh, interviewing him and learning about, you know the research that he's done and what he believes is that there are really two options and this is what you and I had discussed James is that either <laughs> either he he i i i personally believe that he really believes what he's talking about so so there are two options either he well yeah I, the first question is does he does, believe what he's does saying does he believe what he's saying i so and if and he does i think we both agree the answer is yes. yes he believes that what he's telling us is true yes. he's not some kind of disinfo no, agent no i don't or some con artist right i don't i i don't think that he's a con artist because to be honest with you there there really isn't a whole lot of money to to be made doing that kind of con right, artistry anyway right and he's not anyway. selling a book right no, and he's not so he doesn't have like a, a dvd series that he's no, doing no no you know he doesn't have a show on history channel no, he's on just, ancient aliens he's, he's just a guy right and and see but but he well but he's also more than just a guy because <laughs> if you listen to the interview that we did and you listen to the biography he flew missions for the cia during vietnam right right in but Cambodia. Let's, let's put aside his cv let's put his aside his cv because i think we can all agree that his cv is a, as a commercial pilot right, no, no. and a contract pilot is respectable yes it is it is respectable so so and this that doesn't is, make his logic infallible. No, no, no. It, it doesn't make his he's logic. He's a very good pilot. It doesn't make his logic infallible. But, but you know, you also have to remember that his father founded the Learjet Corporation, uh, the, or Lear Siegel Corporation. I mean, these, right. are, these and, are you know his father. His father founded some corporations, and these he, are these are major industries. I mean, I mean, this is a guy who has a reputation. Which to makes uphold. you, which makes you wonder. Well, maybe he is part of a disinfo campaign. Well, right, but 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 on, but on the flip side of that, um, you know, and 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 this is more because I know John, and because I don't, you know. I I, I I really do believe that he is that that he that he's that, that he believes what he says because I don't right and I, that and that's what you know what, what some people would call a dupe which means he's been led to believe things that are false to spread the word of a conspiracy that doesn't really exist in order to cover up an actual thing that's going on that nobody wants people to know about. So right, but I mean now we're now we're veering into double know, conspiracy, right? Double you know double double agent conspiracy and all this other kind of stuff, but. But see, where 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 his credibility holds up is the fact that, you know, he's he's a guy who has all of all of these you know certifications. He has a lot of you know uh, a long credible career, a long successful credible career. Why would he risk all of that? Okay, all of it. You know the the you know. Well, the, you know, he said himself. You get to a certain age, you're you know fifty four, fifty five years old. Nobody wants to hire a pilot who's fifty five. Right, but I mean, is it, so he gets but, to a point in his career where he's not really flying jets anymore. He's just investigating UFOs. Yeah, but even so, you know, you could—I uh, don't know—you could—you could do a variety. You—you you, you could be an air traffic controller. You could—you could do whatever. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I mean, John is John is retired now. So here's my problem with John. He yeah. seems like he believes what he's talking about, and he seems really sincere. 
And my problem is, and this is my problem with many people um, who who are conspiracy theorists or even, you know, who talk about shamanic realms or ghost hunters or paranormal stuff. They will say many things as if they are fact, like there are underground tunnels or there's a space platform with a molecular disruptor or that Einstein is wrong. Okay, they'll say many things as if they are fact and they'll even like try to present some evidence that, 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 that what they're saying is true. But when you press them and say, well, where did you hear this? They'll say, oh, I heard it from some book that somebody else wrote. They don't have any firsthand evidence. It's all words on paper. So when you try to track down all of these people's sources, it all goes back to a set of books or a series of books that are written by like a handful of people. Well, John does have who are some all propagating these people. Too. Right. Now, so going through the interview, I don't think John has ever had a firsthand eyewitness support account with a UFO. Well, I mean, he had the... He's just collected reports that other people have given him. He's also had the uh, Groom Lake... I mean, he, he, he witnessed the Groom Lake take off. Did he? Did he say that he saw a ship take off over I, Groom Lake? I believe he did. I believe that in one of our past interviews... Uh, okay, we, I don't think we got to that part in the yeah, interview, we, because he was talking a little bit about Bob Lazar in New Mexico, yeah. and how Bob Lazar said that he had been in the ship, and it was one of theirs, and... And I believe I that he like, actually well, that saw sounds it like take a, off. You know, a third-hand story. He could have been pulling your leg. Who knows what Bob Lazar knows? I mean, we could follow up with Bob Lazar, I'm sure. Well, Bob Lazar but is coming a back to, to the find. Coming back to my, 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 the core of my skepticism comes from the fact that there is, he, he, he doesn't seem to be a credible first-person witness. He seems to be repeating things that he's heard and other people have told them and collected them into a narrative. Uh, and when you try to press him past the very, you know, sort of shell of that narrative, it comes down to, well, I don't know how that works. Well, I'm not sure about that. Or I read about that in so-and-so's book. <laughs> but if, but if you, okay, but if you press a scientist or if you press a religious person about a particular question, sometimes they'll say, well, well, well we okay, no, we you don't press know how a religious person, they do the same thing. You press a scientist, you, they set up a demonstration in their lab where they come and they show you this is how it works. No, 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 no. Well, if they don't know how something works, they say, well, we don't know how it works. And, 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 but there's no, but there's no judgment value placed on that. There's no, there's there's no assignment place they say okay well they just don't know when it comes to john lear they say oh well because he doesn't know he's less credible well then i have to say well because this scientist doesn't know he's less credible yeah and i would say if there was just one instance where he said he didn't know when pressed and everything else was clear i would be more willing to give him the benefit of the doubt but if every single time he's pressed it comes down to well i'm not sure or no there's no corroborating evidence i mean and even with the stuff about the pictures on the moon i mean it's 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 completely possible to get high resolution pictures of the moon that haven't been airbrushed and find that there's no colonies up there unless they're like hidden on the dark side of the moon or or squatting under the shadow of a crater or something it's you know it's really hard to believe it's so far out there that I want, I mean, there is Again, no I'm not, smoking, there is no smoking gun. I'm not defending all of his positions either, because again, you know, I mean, it's not like I agree with, 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 with everything that everybody says, but I, I think that there is a certain, uh. And even the reports from Rendlesham, from, from Bentwaters, I've studied that a lot, and that all comes down to words on paper too. I mean, they say that there's video somewhere on file that no one will ever get to see, and that would be great, but I've also read reports that say that the Bentwater case in Rendlesham Forest was a psychological readiness exercise that the Department of Defense was running as a training program on these people to see how they would react to paranormal or unusual activity in the forest over a period of a couple of nights. 
So there may have been, you know, more going on at Rendlesham than the cover story of aliens land, landing there actually says. I mean, there could have been some sort of a psychological experiment going on there right, that we don't know about. The, the, the people who, who, who filed those reports could have all been on hallucinogenic drugs. Right. It could have been a war games exercise or something <laughs> right. like that. Right. We don't, we don't, you know, this is an X-Files kind of story where we don't know where the real answer lies. There's just a lot of paperwork that points to a conclusion that we're supposed to buy, but I don't necessarily buy it hook, line, and sinker. I just find it fascinating. Yeah. Because, I, oh, because I there is so much paper evidence I don't, even though there isn't a whole lot of physical evidence I don't want anybody to think that I buy everything <laughs> fine and sinker either I'm just I'm I'm just trying to uh, make a point that you know e- even though some of the you know some of the stuff that that was said was you know as you said out there I think that there were parts of you know uh of of what John said that I think are true and that you know uh, but, but what I found... Well, what parts? The underground tunnels? I thought that was interesting, you know? I, I, I'm, I'm... The I, elevator that goes I to the submarine be, base under Nevada? I would be fascinated to learn more about that. <laughs> um, you know? Uh, uh, yeah, I, you know, some of them are, are, they have the smack of truth to them where you think, oh, that could be. But, you know, tunnels but, from an know, ancient race? Again, or I would... I would Technology, have to do research. I would have to do more research on the topic. I mean, I'm not a you know, and 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 I'm not a UFO expert by any means. I mean, I'm a dabbler. I have, I have you know. I don't know if there's such a thing as a UFO, as a UFO expert. Well, there 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 <laughs> there are people who 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 claim to be UFO. You know, I'm a UFO expert. You know, that's what that. <laughs> okay, that's, then, that's then what show me one. Okay, but 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 <laughs> but, but you understand. <laughs> We're playing a semantical game, I James. Know. <laughs> but but what I'm saying is is that you know. It's not like I'm a UFO expert or, or, or that, or that any, you know, or that I buy everything, you know, like you said, hook, line, and sinker that, that everybody says. But I, but I find it fascinating and I find it interesting and that's why, um, I like to explore these topics and I like to talk about them because if there is some truth in them, it's worth looking at. Well, yeah, you know, and I kind of categorize aliens, gray aliens, abductions, and UFOs. Roughly in the same categories as Bigfoot vampires and Chupacabra. They're sort of these mythical things that live alongside of our culture as archetypes. But when you go out looking for them, they're never actually there. Well, I mean, the big, uh, th- there was a video that came out on, uh, oh, I can't remember what website it was, of <laughs> another Bigfoot video. And I can't tell if it's a guy with a large backpack or if it's an actual, you know, hairy, hairy <laughs> You know, well, the Bigfoot thing is the Bigfoot thing to me is is completely nonsense because if there was a hominid of that size walking around the planet, we would have found bones or fur or DNA evidence or something other than you know plaster casts of footprints <laughs> and hoaxes. And the and the and the and the double damning evidence is that everybody every time somebody says that they found a bone or a piece of fur or something that's supposed to be a Bigfoot, it turns out to be from a deer or an elk or a moose or something else. Well the other thing So I, I wanna... because of the fact that the number of hoaxes are one hundred percent and the number of physical proof is zero percent, I am willing to say without a shadow of a doubt that there is no Bigfoot. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Mitch Hedberg. Uh, I don't know if you're a fan of his of, of uh, him or not. I, I really, <laughs> yeah, I, love I, I really loved Mitch Hedberg. He was one of the funniest comics I thought that ever came out. Yeah, he uh, had a classic style. No, no, he did, and he had a very, and he had his own style, and that's what I loved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's it, what I mean. It was, he, it was he, totally he's unique. in a class by himself, and uh, and there hasn't been one before or like him since. And uh, he he said uh, he said, you know, he says 
you know, everybody's running around talking about Bigfoot, and I'm going to paraphrase this joke very badly. He said, you know what? He says, I, I don't think that there's a problem with the camera. He says, I think that Bigfoot is blurry. He said, and that scares me more because there was a large blurry monster walking around somewhere in the wilderness. You know, and uh, uh-huh. I mean... Yeah. So, so it's kind of like, you know, you have all these pictures, they're blurry, you don't know what they are, you can't quite tell, there's the deer bone, there's a, you know, an ox bone, or whatever you find, and oh, this is a Bigfoot bone, and so, you like, know. Here's the other thing about aliens. There's, there's a lot of alien and UFO po- photos and videos on the internet, that when you look at them closer, they, they're hoaxes. Yeah. And, like I say, if something is real, if a phenomena is real, you don't have to hoax people into believing it because it exists when they walk outside their door you know what i'm saying it's it's real if 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 something is real people will see it enough to believe in it now people may see lights in the sky and they may see dots in the sky but the number of people who actually see saucer-shaped discs and you know photograph them and and upload them and put them online and they turn out to be real photos that are not doctored is so small compared to the huge volume of hoaxes out there. So what is the UFO community supposed to do to have people take themselves seriously, take them seriously, if, if there's a bunch of jokers out there constantly releasing UFO hoaxes? Well, you bring up a good point, you know? Uh, no, no, I, no, so I mean... So if the, if the level of hoax is, is, is approaching 100%, to me it seems like the, the event that you're talking about doesn't even exist. It's like a magic trick that somebody is pulling see, on the, the entire planet. Okay, well, well, let's take the Gulf Breeze instance, um, uh, incident, for example, uh, where, where, where a guy... It was broad daylight. I mean, it wasn't at night. It wasn't lights in the sky. It wasn't a weather balloon. It was clearly... It was a metal ball. It's very tiny in the sky. Static. Stay, you know, staying in one place. The guy is has this a, a video that yeah, this is a video that you you can go look it up on YouTube. You can you know what's it called? Go watch it. It's uh, Gulf Breeze, Florida. I think is what is where okay. it happened, and uh, and you can see that when they and it's there one second. It's a tiny little ball, and then all of a sudden, within a fraction of a second, it just it's gone. Okay, well you know, and and when they and when they slow down the well, hold on. Well, when they slowed down the video footage, when they slowed it down frame by frame. You could see this thing moving at a speed of something like three or four thousand miles right, per hour. Right, and it just like sort of zips off and in just, one direction yeah, off the corner of the frame, and just totally goes away. Yeah, I, I've seen this video. Yeah, I mean, you know, what is that? I, I, you know, I can't explain everything. What is that? You know, I, I you know, and, and I'll, I'll be the first one to say I can't explain anything, and and I will also, I will also state clearly that I will never say there are no such things as UFOs. Because I know there are unidentified things flying around up there. I just don't really want to speculate on what they are. Um, you know, and, and beyond that, it seems that the majority of them that are reported are hoaxes or, or are mistakenly something else and they have logical explanations. The few that have no logical explanations remain fascinating and the whole mythology remains fascinating fascinating i am just super skeptical of the whole thing because there is so much disinformation and hoaxing going on oh of course you can't tell you know without the physical proof without the body of bigfoot or the body of the gray alien and the spaceship brought out for everybody to look at and touch it's just really hard to swallow right of course but you know again i mean but i but i don't want to fault people who go and try to research those things and try to no, you know no because, i mean because it is a legitimate part of no, culture no I no think. it is I, and 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 i think that there is that, that 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 if there is as i said even a shred of truth 
to these phenomena, I think that it should be looked into. Just, just for, just, you know, for the sake of looking into it, if nothing else, you know? Right. And I'm sure Joe Rogan will do an episode of his show. Well, yeah, let's, you know. Um, I, now, <laughs> have, you, have you seen the show, I, by the way? I, the new Joe Rogan show? I have Joe not, Rogan questions no. everything? No, no, but I... Well, he goes out a lot of these. I think he's going to go out a lot of these conspiracy topics and, and I, I think have fun with them. I mean, just based on what I've seen on the show so far. His recent episode was on a uh, harp and, and weather engineering and weather technology. And I thought it was pretty funny because of all of the dissenting views he had presented on the show that he couldn't make heads or tails of. And it is kind of confusing, all of the different people with their conspiracy theories well, and all the science with their debunk, all the scientists with their debunker theories. And they're all, they all make very convincing arguments, well, you know, about what's going on. But the reality is nobody knows what's going on with Harp outside of the people who put Harp together. And I can speculate, you know, eight or nine different things that Harp could be doing that's not weather modification and not creating earthquakes and tsunamis around the world. I want to go. Is, I want to go back into my news file here because I do have. I, <laughs> no, 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 I actually have a. I have a bookmark um, uh, thing in my in my in my bookmarks folder about uh, for for news. Um, one of the things that uh, came out. And I can't find the, yeah, I can't find the the article now. I wish I could, but it it uh it was talking about how Harp was was recently actually sold. Uh, they sold Harp just to some other corporation, and I can't remember who they sold to. The it. department who DARPA. I don't. The, Harp Harp was sold, or or they they didn't stop the program. That's funny. Well, you know, when people ask me what Harp is, I I say I look at it. And to me, it looks like a big antenna. You know, it doesn't look like uh, an active weapon for, for you know, making an active result in the world. It looks like a passive monitoring system. It looks like a big ear. Ah. Yeah. And so- why is it bouncing this big beam off the ionosphere? Well, let's see. Can you listen to vibrations from radio waves hitting the ionosphere with a big laser beam? Well, le- yes, you can. You can use a big laser beam, bounce it off the ionosphere, and listen to the vibrations passing through the ionosphere. That includes cellular, microwave, satellite, any kind of analog digital communication being passed through the air will vibrate off that ionosphere, and HARP can listen to it using a big laser. Now, that's just my first guess. That's just my first guess because it makes the most sense to me. You have something that's listening for vibrations up in the ionosphere, and then you have this huge antenna array that amplifies every signal that it finds and categorizes it into different classes so that it can be skewed into a database somewhere and searched later. And that may be enough of a violation of UN treaties for the United States to not want anybody to know what they're doing there. Well, you know what I'm saying? So they need top secret. The, well, and they need compartmentalization. So nobody knows what it does except for the guy who designed it and okay. the people who are monitoring the databases. So, so that's just one explanation that is still diabolical, but is not like weather control, earthquake, no, no. conspiracy stuff. But what I will say is that I did find the article. Harp, Harp was sold to the highest bidder. It, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't disclose who it was. Or what it does, or or well, or what or what the people who they sold it to is going to do with it, but um, there are well that has that has very little information in it. But according, <laughs> well, well, hold on, but but according to the uh, article that I'm reading, quote: there are many facilities like Harp across the world, with smaller ones said to be in the United States as well. Uh, I know that um, 
or at least from reading that I had done, and this was a while ago, this was about a year ago, that I think Russia has a parallel program similar to HARP mm-hmm. um, and a few other countries around the world. So, mm-hmm. so this type of, of, of activity is going on. But again, I don't know what it's used for. I haven't done enough research. I mean, like I said, on, on, on. Well, I don't know. I'm not going to say 100% I know what it's used for, but that's pretty much my, my best guess is it's a big ear for monitoring any kind of, any kind of electronic transmission, any kind of radio wave frequency transmission bouncing off the ionosphere, which is almost all of it. Anything, any transmission that goes into space. Up into the air, bounces off the ionosphere, so, and creates a vibration. Right. So, if Harp could read that, it could read the data that was being. It could read everything. Right. Anything that's just transmitted into the air, it could read. Right. 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 Yeah. No. Which, uh, which is another, which is one of the reasons I don't use the cloud. <laughs> no, I'm no, I'm, 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 I'm very. Serious. Well, they have, they have ways of monitoring things that travel through wires. That's easy. You know, that's like those big computers that that Edward Snowden had in the back closet there at Verizon or whatever the, the switching station was that was basically cloning every piece of traffic that went through the internet. Um, stuff that goes through wires a- across the ground is easy for people to trap. It's a little bit harder to trap stuff once it, you know, gets up to the satellites and it's bouncing around up there in space. But if you have something like Harp problem solved well that's what i'm saying so i mean i don't, I don't use the cloud everything you know i mean I, I i buy hard drives and i store everything externally on them because i you know well and then the other thing my my question is well first of all if you have a program like harp and what you're saying is true all of your data is out there for everybody to see i mean it doesn't matter whether or not you're doing anything illegal i mean i don't want my banking information or my social security no there, well there is know. no privacy right right I mean, you just listen to security now every week and listen to and steve the, gibson and you know he says there is no such thing as paranoia in in, in information security because everybody is out to get you yeah <laughs> the yeah. government the hackers uh, casual hackers you know business hackers political hackers um, uh, worms that have no agency or, or, or reason to be out there are sniffing your data, you know, that are, that, that have no human component to them, that are lost and wandering around. Um, it's, you know, the internet is, has its own background radiation of, of security leaks that are constant. So, I mean, the only way to, to have information not get out over the internet is to encrypt it really well and assume that your encryption will be cracked eventually. You just have to have good encryption long enough to keep your data safe long enough. Yeah, and I mean, again... That's really what it comes down to, is no encryption is, is 100% that safe, crack-proof right. now that computers are so fast. But see, the thing is, is that is that a lot of people are doing this. I mean, you know, someone like you or someone like myself, I mean, you know, we're not doing anything illegal on a computer, but what... but but. It's 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 just the fact that that they can look at it that makes me say, well, wait a minute, you know, I don't want you to, you know, look at what I'm reading in the morning, you know, I don't want you to, I mean, if I wake up one morning and I Google constipation and diarrhea, you know, I don't, I don't want, you know, I don't want, I don't want the NSA seeing that, you know what I mean? Is this because you're trying to diagnose something or you have a specific fetish? No, 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 no. I'm saying like you know, let's say you're having a problem with your gut or you yeah, know. I know you don't want people to know what, what right, you're doing. exactly. And the, you you know, know what I say is that you know the government doesn't have enough people to snoop on you all the time. No, and the only no. reason why anybody would be snooping on you is if you were the target of an ongoing investigation. Right, and, and that stuff takes money and and, a, and, a, and the order of a judge and oversight and you know somebody who you know you have to be flagged in certain databases and things pop up and then suddenly. 
somebody is monitoring you, but it costs money for every second that they monitor you. And this is more so unless you're turning so. up tangible results, actionable items, they will not monitor you for very long before they find you boring. Right, because the they're, they're going to realize you will be profiled as a non-threat. Right. Leader. He's just a, he's 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 just a crazy guy who sits on the internet all day and like reads weird stuff. Right. And these are people with jobs who are like looking for serious problems. You know, not trying to find people masturbating to weird porn or people who have a certain disease. Right. Or or you know, well, I I I I wasn't uh, a certain symptom. Yeah, you know, but but I mean, you know, there I mean there are, there are people who who want their privacy. I mean, you know, not everybody you know, you know, like I said, if you wake up in the morning and you're having, you know, uncontrollable diarrhea, you don't want some NSA guy sitting there saying, "Oh, uh, you know, uh, jo- jo- John John Smith." Jo- well, you could just it- Twitter it and get it over with. No, I know, but but but, but what I'm <laughs> what I'm saying is, you don't want some guy, you know, sit- sitting See, at a, that's a that's sitting a at a computer, at, you know, that there's some guy no, 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 no. somewhere listening to you. No, no, no. And, and you're somebody on the radio that has thousands of people listening to you, or on the podcast has you know people listening to you every week. So no, I, I'm making a joke for the average American citizen. I, I, I making, realize that. I'm bringing but, you know, that, I think that it. whole idea of somebody listening or following me is 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 a little bit of a narcissistic paranoid fantasy. No, no, and you're right. And the other thing is that you 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 know people who work in government. You've had family right, who's family work in government. government. My family is in law enforcement. Uh, it's I've mentioned this before, but many people still find it mind blowing. Is that my parents were about as high up as you can get in law enforcement in Hawaii. Uh, anyway. Um, my father was in the FBI and was for 25 or 30 years and retired full benefits and pension. And my mother worked in narcotics enforcement on the state level for many years and became the uh, U.S. Marshal in Hawaii for the Marshal Service uh, appointed by George Bush Sr. And so they were Republican Party stalwarts and very law and order people. And I got glimpses into the, I guess, middle level echelons of government in both the law enforcement and security apparatus. And, you know, they're just people. They're just people doing jobs. And for the most part, they're tired and underpaid people who are doing jobs out of a sense of, of morality and nobility, not because they're out to get somebody. You know, and that's the truth. I mean, that's the sad truth, is that they're just people doing jobs. They're not. Because they, because they need They're to not pe- people with vendettas out to catch pot smokers. And hippies. No, they're because just, they, just, they, you know, they're paper shufflers and they make phone calls and they, 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 they need to they feed their family. Offices and they go knock on doors and they drive their cars around and follow leads. And it's for the most part, very frustrating. And then and, at the end of the day, and, like you're, and, and not very rewarding work. And at the end of the day, like your parents did, at the end of the day, they're doing it so they can come home and feed their family, you know? Right. Uh, right. so that, you know, so that they, or to feed themselves or for whatever reason they're doing it. I mean, right. everybody when has I hear to work. People talk about, you know, secret governments and UFOs control, I mean, the aliens controlling everything. It just seems too neat to me. The world doesn't work like that. The world is messy and made of people working nine to five on too little money trying to cover their asses. Too little get, money, get too little promotion. energy. Too little money, too little, en- <laughs> too little money, too little energy, too little time. 
Yeah, and you, you you think about all of the levels of conspiracy that would have to go on to build a space platform with a molecular destabilizer on it that could take down a building from space with no bomb residue or whatever. Uh, the number of people who would have to be involved in that project and would be sworn to secrecy and carry off that project with nobody knowing on and what's going on. You're saying like there's thousands of astronauts up there operating. Well, you also have to understand. I mean, it would be. It just seems completely impossible knowing the government that I know. That a project like that can one happen and two happen with nobody knowing about. Well, it. I believe now. Now, here's one thing I will say about John, though. Both him and I and his father, I believe, both had um, above not our uh, top secret security clearances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, as far I mean, there's obviously things that they can't, you know, that he can't talk about. But you know, the, and and I think that that lends a little more weight to that as well. You know, the fact that he, that he had such a high clearance for such a long time. Well, I'm sure Jan Irvin would be able to figure this one out for us because he's, he's always ready, ready to find another conspiracy theory <laughs> right behind a conspiracy theory. Because I think the Jan Irvin point of view would say that, well, John Lear is obviously a dupe that was fed misinformation about aliens and flying saucers to mislead him from the truth, which was they were storing radioactive waste at Groom Lake or they were working on a stealth bomber at Groom Lake or whatever it was that they wanted to hide at Groom Lake or in New Mexico. They were working on some illegal chemical weapons projects that were against, you know, UN codes. Um, and so this whole cover of aliens thing happened and became bigger than the reality that was underneath it. I tend to fall towards that way whenever I hear stuff like this going on at Groom Lake. I think that there was probably something really relatively mundane, but just as diabolical going on there. Like, you know, a new bomber that will kill tens of thousands of people really easily with a push of a button. You know, it doesn't seem as cool as um, aliens and spaceships, but it is way more diabolical when you think about it. Well, because you're killing tens of thousands of people. <laughs> That's right. You're that, making it easier to just kill people in the middle of the night with your stealth bombers. Right, and you're killing tens of thousands of innocent people, you know. Right. Uh, most of the time, anyway. Uh, yeah. Because, because I mean, you know, when I... Well, and, and you and I have had this argument before about stealth bombers and drones and all this other kind of stuff, you know. Um Right, and it's 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 just the geopolitical reality we live in, and that technology wins wars. But it's like, what the hell is the war that we're fighting right now? Anyway, I think that's the biggest problem that 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 it's it's hard to pick apart. It's religious. It's about oil. It's about money. It's about controlling the political future of a part of the planet. It's it's all of this just yeah. I mean, you bullshit have- that's hard to package into an ideology that says we are correct in fighting this war. It's just like. Like, you know, like I said, people getting up in the morning and going to work, and then this is their job, and this is what they do, and it just sucks that this is the life that we live, but they got to feed their kids, so they're in the army, and they're, you know, flying planes and shooting guns. All right, well, let's, okay, well, let's play, you know, but then again, you, you know, you have to play devil's advocate at the same time. Well, you and know. The, and the thing is, is the, that the that, Nazis, that, that the no- our, our economy runs on military industrial complex. Planes, weapons, guns. Eisenhower bombs. warned us about that, by the way, it's in the all, 50s. I mean, that's where the big ticket items are in our economy. And eventually those things got to be used somewhere. And that's the problem is that we, we, when there's a problem in the world, the U.S. just wants to, we build hammers. We want to fix it with our hammer. Right. Yeah. It's just easier for the U.S. to pull out a hammer and smack somebody as opposed to being diplomatic or working towards another solution because we make hammers that's what we do right in the United States. Uh, you know and i would and i and i don't you know and i uh, 
maybe you would disagree with me on this point, but I would I would compare us to Rome in that way. Uh, yeah, and that, I mean, you know, Rome said. I mean, the, the the comparison isn't isn't completely valid, but there are absolute parallels. You're right. You know, because if you look at if you look at the way Rome dealt with its allies, they said, "Ah, oh, okay, you don't want to play ball. Well, then we'll just bring the hammer down." You know, <laughs> oh, oh, you don't want to ship it. You, you know, you don't you don't want to ship grain to southern Italy anymore. Okay, all right, well, we'll just bring the army in. You know. <laughs> All right, you know, oh, yeah, that's fine. Oh, 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 Iberia wants to revolt. Fine, send in Scipio Africanus. You know, let let him deal with it. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, so there are a lot of, at least in my opinion, historically there are parallels, but at the same time, uh, if you look at Roman history, that pissed off a lot of people. <laughs> absolutely. It pissed, I think the U.S. is pissing off a absolutely. lot of people every year. Well, who did who did the Romans piss off? Well, the Romans pissed off the people above um, who lived above the Rhine. Um, they pissed off the people. The who, Vandals, the Goths. The Vandals, the Goths, the Huns, uh, the, Visigoths. the Visigoths. These were the people they pissed off. Those Eventu- were my people, man. Eventually, You're they talking ha- shit about my my tribal heritage. No, 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 no. no. I'm, <laughs> my barbarian I, heritage. I am not talking. Well, I am of Roman heritage. You are of uh, barbarian heritage. So I know. No, I'm just. Kidding. That's why we secretly hate each other. Your people enslaved mine. No, no, no. Well, but your but your people uh, eventually uh, took over uh, my people's empire. So that's the way it should be. Well, Please. <laughs> Roman Ro- Ro- Roman Roman culture uh and 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 technology architecture and civilization was 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 much further along than oh, absolutely. than than what was going on above the Rhine River in, you know in, in, yeah I mean I mean there was I mean it would it's like a, it, you guys had toilets and shit yeah and like you know <laughs> I mean and that's not not to insult anybody but I'm just saying you know I mean that uh, as a point of historical fact you know, Roman civilization was far more advanced than anything, um, you know, you know, in Northern Europe. But in the same way that, and I want to finish my point here because it, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring this back to the United States. Towards the end of the Roman Empire, what, what began to happen is, is that the Roman army didn't go out and fight wars as much anymore. What they would do is they would fund barbarian mercenaries and, and recruit barbarian generals um for the main body of their army so the amount of legionary troops they had you know became lower and lower and lower what we're finding in the united states is that the people that we're fighting now are the same people that we funded 30 years ago and are the same people well, that like we the funded. mujahideen yes uh, or uh or or you know the northern alliance whatever right. they were called at the beginning of the afghan war the right warlords. exactly because we because we funded the afghans during the soviet afghan war just in the same way that you know rome rome recruited and trained you know uh, barbarian mercenaries into their army, and eventually that became a huge part of their army. Just like when you send huge amounts of money to the Middle East to fund uh, rebel groups against the Soviets or against whoever you're you're fighting, you know these people are going to eventually uh, resent you for screwing around with their country, and um, they're going to use what you've given them against them, and that's what's happening. Well, okay, now. so let's let's back up and talk about Vietnam. Yeah, because back in the '60s and early '70s, Vietnam was just a mess. I mean, and we were at war there, and look at it now. And what is our relationship, what is the U.S. relationship with Vietnam now? Uh, it's, it's not bad. It's not bad, I but mean, it's not we're, great. We're trading partners, we're on fairly good political terms. Um, it, it's bad, but it's. I mean, it's 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 good, but it's not great. And it's not great. And but they're and not would, they're not bombing each other in the street like they are in Iraq. No, still. but I mean they were they were back then. Yeah, but you also have to you, you also have to understand that Vietnam has 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 developed economically. It's developed um, 
I mean, it's it's developed urban centers uh, that right, but 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 we have a we have a thirty year period of hindsight where we, we where we've seen that happen. Right now, right, but but I mean, could, I mean, could, could Iraq ever become that? I don't know. Well, it seems I mean, like there's totally a lot of cultural pull- history in Iraq and Afghanistan that are keeping them from moving forward. But I mean, we had to pull out of. I mean, I mean, we had to. I mean, we had to pull out and run from Vietnam. I mean, literally, we had to turn around and run. <laughs> I mean, we had to run out of Vietnam because the Viet Cong. And that could were, happen in Afghanistan. Right. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. So, uh, you know, uh, and and I and 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 I think that the. The, the, the Afghan Islamo fascists are a lot less forgiving than the Viet Cong. So, so I don't, you know, I'm a little concerned about what could happen, but, you know. Right, but regardless, the whole drone thing is a real problem. And it the is, fact that it's it becoming too easy to send drones in to do work that is, you know, quasi-legal at best. And and could have a very high casualty rate, you know, with one mistake. A very high civilian casualty rate with one mistake. And right. we have we have seen instances where drones have taken out, you know, a dozen, two dozen civilians in order to get at one terrorist. Right, right. So and that know, just becomes you kill thirty uh, people. Uh, it's 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 it, it's just how does somebody make that decision? In my mind. It's it's unfathomable. I don't know if these are mistakes or if somebody sitting in an intelligence room said those are you know acceptable losses. You well, have I mean, to assume that if they're making those decisions, that the people that they're killing are really bad, immediate threats. But I'm not sure that's always the case. Well, All I mean, the information on this is just not available yet. But what I have seen is troubling. It's like the bombing of Dresden, right? You know, I mean, it's the, too easy. Yeah, there were just there were dumb. there were no military there were no major military targets in Dresden, but it was a major. You know, city. It was a major German city, and they bombed it, and they killed a lot of civilians. I mean, you know, a lot of people died uh, to get rid of, you know, uh, really minor peripheral um, military operations that were going on in that town. So, right, and the question becomes, are we at war, or are we just dicking around with military exercises? Yeah, and, and the because other... if it were, because if we're at war, then all of this stuff is fair game. If we're just dicking around with military exercises to contain the threat, then this, it's fucking insanity. Right, and, and, I, and I think that, that we're doing the latter. Yeah, it seems like the latter to me, because you can't, it's harder to declare war on these, on these secret groups or the, you know, these, these spread out political groups than it is on a nation. The other thing is that you have to understand... And you can't declare a war on terror, because it just doesn't make sense. No, you no. You have to clear, declare a war on Al-Qaeda and their affiliates. I was actually doing, doing, doing some reading. Apparently, there's, there's been more terrorist-related uh, terrorist violence in the United States due to right-wing... Okay. Well, sure. Right. There's all that homegrown no, no. terrorism. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right-wing homegrown okay. terrorism than than Islamic terrorism. Let, may, may I also add that the Middle East is a heavily tribal area, very, very much into tribalism, very much into um, ethnic um, cohesion, Visions, religious right, yeah. cohesions. Uh, you know, uh, the Sunnis, uh, you know, stick with, stick with their own, and so on and so forth. And we're trying to interject and bring a system into their world that not only are they really not interested in having but that is totally the 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 inverse opposite of what they do now so um you know i don't i, I don't really even see a reason it seems logical to me that a thousand years from now uh podcasters from mars are going to be having the same discussion about what's going on in the middle east you think so uh, it's hard for me to see a clear way out of what's going on in the Middle East. 
Podcasters on Mars. Now, that'll be an interesting. <laughs> well, that's part of my book. That's my next book, Radio Free Mars. I can plug it right now. It'll be out in a couple months. Oh, oh okay, great. Yeah, Radio Free Mars. Uh, it's my first work of fiction. I actually have, um, over the years, while I was working on the magazine and my book on psychedelics and other projects, uh, I would occasionally go into fits of hyperproductivity where I would just write books. And I have four unpublished science fiction books lying around, and I think I'm going to publish my first one in a couple months. It's Radio Free Mars. It's a story about the first human colony on Mars and what happens when that colony is given its freedom to govern itself. It's, I'm, I'm excited to read it. <laughs> no, no, no. no I'm, it's a fun little story. I actually am. Yeah. Um, it's a fun, it's kind of a pulpy science fiction story, classic, classic sci-fi genre. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. The damsels in distress, killer robots, all that fun stuff. Killer robots? What? No? Well, they're not really killer robots. You'll have to read it to find out. Okay, well, send me a copy. They may be killer robots. You gotta there s- might be. You gotta send me... <laughs> well, we can't ruin the story now. Yeah, no spoilers. No on-air spoilers. That wouldn't be fair. But if it, there are robots, are they killers? That may be part of the plot. Yeah. Well, you know... Uh, uh, you know, I like the idea of, you know, the whole uh, artificial intelligence and, uh, you know, ha- having a symbiosis. Uh, not, I mean, I don't like the practical idea. I like to read about it and I like to think about it. But I like the, you know, it's an interesting idea of the symbiosis between humans and almost human-like replicant robots. Mm-hmm. And, you know, them kind of working together or against each other or whatever problems may arise. I, you know, I like that kind of fantasy writing. I think it has a... A certain, um, uh, I don't want to say tinge to it, but a, but, but, but a certain feel to it that I like. Well, this Radio Free Mars is the first I envision of a series of three books that explores the topic of robot politics. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, the whole... Um, and it, putting it on Mars is just a conceit that, that allows us me to start in like a fresh environment as opposed to trying to write a story about robot politics on Earth, where there's all of the you know, messiness of Earth politics to deal with as well. Um, dealing with the, the topic of robot politics in a in an isolated petri dish type community on Mars is is a much easier way to handle that topic than than try and set it in some place on Earth where you've got a right. lot of pushback against artificial intelligence walking around with other people. Right, because I mean, even now you have a lot of pushback against that too. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people who uh, who 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 don't believe that you know that that it that it should be taking place and that we should stop doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, well, well, and and you know it, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, really, you have to you have to see whether or not it's a boon to society, whether or not it's cheap enough to roll out on a commercial or industrial scale, um, whether artificial intelligence is really something that is helpful, or if it just gets in the way of progress. It's you know, there's a lot of unknowns about what artificial intelligence will do on a day to day basis for us, and whether or not it's better than our own intelligence, and if we will like it more. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't know. I, I, I have to uh, wait and see. But there was a, th- there was a video. But yeah, all of those issues are just dis- are discussed in my book. It's one of these. It's it's kind of a singularity thriller. Let's put it that way. Um, speaking of a, of a singularity thriller, there was a video <laughs> that I found on uh, YouTube. Um, it was a. Uh, I'm not. I'm. I, I know that you're familiar with the science fiction writer Philip K. Dick. Yes. Um, well, I'm going to play a quick video clip here. 
uh, from YouTube, uh, and you can. Oh, this is this is the robot. Talking? Yeah, yep, yep, and you can uh, and you. We, can... I think we played this on our first episode. Oh, did we? Okay, I'm not yeah, sure we if did. we did. Okay, yeah, I wasn't sure if we did, but yeah, that was the. Uh, that was we'll the. Just, we'll skip this part. Yeah, we'll 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 you can you can go back and listen to it or find it on your own. But you know, these these things are starting to 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 come about in a more serious way. So, uh, and the technology is beginning to to advance. Right, um, and I'm not too worried about it being deployed on Earth in a mass scale. But if you were going to build a colony on Mars, the first thing that you would need is a big labor force that could work in zero gravity and move heavy things around. And, and how to, do you achieve to be that? Building, and that would be a robot labor right. force. So that's kind of where the story begins. Is you know what, what happens to that robot labor force? Yeah, when where do they go? The city is built. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's a, I, I I I like all that kind of uh, writing. So yeah, so Radio Free Mars. Make sure you guys uh, pre-order a copy if you can get one. Well, no, you can't even pre-order it yet. Oh. But within the next, I don't know. But, but within the next month or so, you should be able to get a copy of it pre-ordered. So All right. Well, make sure look you look out for that. Make sure you make sure you look out to get a pre-order of the copy of the book. And um, I'm working on a book too, but it's going to take me a couple more months to get that out. So, <laughs> um, and that and that'll be. Uh, I'll talk about that later. <laughs> so, are there any other conspiracy theories that have fascinated you? Um, you know, well. <sighs> God, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're asking me a big question here. Because um, <laughs> you did true transmission for so many years, we should do like a conspiracy theory roundup of sorts. If there's like any of your favorites, no, you... I know. Yeah, I, I well, I, I know that we uh, on sepia. It was what ghost hunters. They did paranormal ghost yeah, hunter. Yeah. yeah. Sepia radio. They're well, all well. Well, there was in... a variety of stuff. I don't. Um, I'm not sure what, what's what's going on there now. I won't. Um, comment because I don't know uh, what they're doing now, but uh, we, yeah, when uh, when when we were there, there was a lot of paranormal programming, UFO programming, um, that kind of stuff, and uh, you know, what 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 fascinated me the most? Um, a lot of the religious mysticism stuff fascinated me. Um, the other thing that 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 I got into um, was again, you know, the whole UFO thing. I liked that. I th- I thought that was fascinating. You know, like I said, I don't take it hook line and sinker, but it, you know, it's interesting. Um, and the whole, uh, see, a lot of the conspiracies, I don't, I don't, I don't really see them as conspiracies. I just see them as, well, you know, this is some information that I found and this is a conclusion that someone else has come to that I agree with. Like, I mean, you know, the idea of, um, uh, but we talked a little bit about chemtrails on chemtrails, a previous episode. Right, GMO food, you know, things like that. Oh, right, the GMO foods. Yeah, you and Va- I have had a discussion about GMO foods, vaccines, too, pro or con. Vaccines is another Right, and my, 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 my view of on GMO foods is that they're just a tool. You, I mean, and you can have good tools and bad tools. It's like, what what is the g- genetic modification and who is deploying it is really more of the issue to me about whether or not my food is genetically modified. Um, well, really, my, so, my because biggest... if it's you know if it's tested and it's safe and it's being deployed in a way to maximize food growth and nutrition, then that's fine. But yeah, if but it's that's do, not if what's it's, going if on. It's, it's being deployed in a way to control a market and kill off competing species. That's I have a problem with that. Well, that's what, but that's what's happening. <laughs> well, it, they're both happening. Well, I would both say the, of the I would say the, I would say yeah, but I would say the, I would say the latter is 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 is, is the larger driving force. Well. Corporations yeah, I mean, do not. Can, no, 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 no. Hold on. You let can me, probably do statistical analysis to see where the profit is. I want to go out. I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say corporations do not do things out of altruism. They do things <laughs> out of profit motive. Bottom line, profit motive. That's it. 
And you can't trust corporations. So there really needs to be oversight you can't over trust any the new government technology either. that's being rolled out. Because they I think is 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 the key there because it's the same with the pharmaceutical industry. And it's the same with um, your there government. There were many years where the pharmaceutical stuff. industry was just rolling out all kinds of stuff with no oversight. Right. And people were falling dead and becoming addicted to opium and then suddenly we now have some oversight. And it's not perfect, but at least it's something. At least we now know what we're taking and we can have a fairly good consideration that it's clean and manufactured in some place where the dosage is measured properly. Um, and that's, thank you, FDA. Otherwise, we'd all be drinking snake oil elixirs, hoping that our hiccups went away. Yeah, but I mean, you know, yeah, thank you, FDA. I mean, you know, we have uh, we have uh, sodium fluoride in the water, and we have lithium in the water in small quantities. You can point contents. to good things and bad things that government does uh, you know, that are um, horribly short-sighted and, you know, are, 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 are great successes. So it's a, yeah, a two-way I mean, street you can, you, whenever you're experimenting with social engineering. It's, point, point, it's difficult. But, the amount of, but, but, but I would say the amount of great successes versus the amount of great failures are uh you know not quite in balance <laughs> what about polio what about jonas salk yeah, jo- about jo- jonas salk like, jonas salk gave you know, his vaccine away to things, the world like, like for cleaning free cleaning up our drinking water he did that for and, free and 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 um creating vaccines are he, two of the greatest yeah, inventions yeah, yeah. of the 20th century jonas, and they're and they're widely ridiculed jonas salk is an entirely no 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 it's no no jonas salk is an entirely different situation he was a man who made the polio vaccine and then gave it to the world for with, free for free with no profit motive with 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 with, with no uh with no personal motivation to make money uh but simply to help people um you know and i don't think that that's and t- i'm not comparing myself to jonas salk but that's what i did with psychedelic information theory i basically wrote it and gave it away for free because i thought well this is just information that people should have but the, but I mean the vaccines that are being put out now. I just read uh, uh, something on Infowars.com um, a little while ago. You know, yeah, they're sending vaccines. Uh, they're sending a polio vaccine to Africa. But you know, uh, in addition to okay, so it gets rid of the polio. But uh, now now you're 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 you have a potentially high risk of of, of developing six different kinds of cancer, right? That are probably going to kill you anyway because you have no access to medical treatment because you live in the Congo. So yeah, we're curing your polio, but but we're injecting you with something that could potentially, in the next ten to fifteen years, give you six or seven different kinds of cancers that you're not going to be able to treat um, because you don't have because you don't have access to the to the proper kind of medicine. Well, you know, it's and it's really easy to get outraged by stories like that on Infowars or even Huffington Post or uh, there's there's plenty of people out there that publish stuff that sounds really nefarious and you can't just you can't trust journalism. I can't just listen to that story and go, "Oh, you're correct. Those poor people in Africa, they are going to get they are going to get cancer and and poor them for their polio being cured." Um, you know, you tend to, whenever there's a, there's, like I said, a social engineering project like this, you have to weigh the risks with the benefits. Do the people in Africa get to weigh in on what kind of vaccine they get? Probably not. Can they refuse to take the vaccine if they want to? They probably can. Yes, um, but you also have So it really just comes down to, people can't- are we trying to help people or are we trying to hurt people? And well, if we the- accidentally hurt people trying to help them, 
that just means that we're. I humans. don't think that we're and trying to help. Humans are basically a little bit. I think that we're trying to control because... them. I mean, I mean, you know, I, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we are a core nation, and you know, I mean, this is the approach that I take. There are core nations. There are the second world nations, or semi-peripheral nations, and then there are peripheral nations, like the third world. Mm-hmm. And basically, the first world completely screws the peripheral nations. The semi-peripheral nations kind of act as a buffer, and they work with the peripheral nations, and they work with the core nations, and the core nations basically retain all of the power. What are the core nations? The United States, China, Britain, Germany. No, it's the G8. Right. So, it's G8, right. The G20. Or, yeah, yeah, whatever whatever it is. And, you know, these are the countries that are putting out these things that supposedly are supposed to help people, but are helping them maintain control, are helping them maintain power, and are helping them keep uh you know uh people uh docile or sick or whatever but, but there there is something to be said for the fact that if there is a single group holding power for a long period of time things are more or less more stable than if there are a bunch of groups all jockeying for power in a power vacuum and that's not saying that one country being in control is better than another country being in control it's just that some element of global control is better than none. Okay, so right? you- and if the UN, for all of its all of its problems and the, and its you know posturing and and powerlessness, toothlessness, I think is a great institution because at least all of all the people from all of the countries around the world can get together in one room somewhere and argue and talk about it. Does that mean that they're going to be effective? No. Does that mean that everyone's going to be happy and get along and and <laughs> and make the compromises you need to to run a world? No. But uh, no. But at least but, they're trying, right? But, at least no, they're trying. But when something. they're doing things that are that are intentionally and and very uh, very clearly bad for the people and good for them. Well, yes, and you know, the, and the thing is, is that if you're working at a sweatshop in say Vietnam. Or Cambodia, or some place that is in on the edge of the third world and the developing world and the industrial world, you are hoping that the future in your country is going to be better. I mean, that's really what you're hoping for. You're hoping that things will get better. In the countries that are in control, they're just hoping that things don't fall apart because things are already about as good as they're going to get. You know, and they're just trying to keep the bottom from falling out of their economies. And and that's kind of where the struggle is. It's like, who's going to get the resources? How are we going to keep these industries moving? How are we going to keep our economy growing so people can, you know, live at the class level that they're expected to? Um, it's, you know, the, the game of balancing uh, world resources to to keep people from riding in the street is 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 the story of Western civilization. And, then, you know, it starts with Rome, like you said starts you know probably with Egypt although they didn't have as big an empire as Rome did well yeah I mean the 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 Egyptian uh, but but see at the same time I mean even though there was a power consolidation in Rome as as, as you said once the Roman Empire was formed it, it, it by no means was it was it was it entirely stable um, no but it had some stability but see the 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 stability was 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 really based in my opinion and, I, and I'm you know from from Diocletian's split, when Diocletian split the empire, the main base of, of power and stability and peaceful stability was in Constantinople, and most of the upheaval was going on was was going on in Rome, where you had a 
power vacuum, as you but said. But Constantinople was under Roman rule at the time. Absolutely not. The Roman uh, oh, em- the, oh, 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 right, the, right, the right. Roman Empire Const- split in well, the Roman Empire split in, split into four under Diocletian, and then <laughs> right. and then it, and then eventually well, we it split down to two. <laughs> Um, and and then there became there was an emperor in uh, in Rome, and then there was an emperor in Constantinople. Eventually, um, the capital of the Western Roman Empire was moved to Ravenna uh, towards the end of I think the third or fourth century, and um, you know massive upheaval. Ter- I mean, basically, Rome, uh, the Western Roman Empire, was selling off territory in order in order to pay barbarian mercenaries to fight the people who were coming from the Rhinelands, and the Eastern Roman Empire was almost entirely stable during this period, and it regained a lot of the territory under Justinian and Theodora in the eighth century. But um, you know, well, so, so there's there's an old adage that I that I like to I like to bring up in in, in, in these big weighty world shaping arguments is yeah. that. Progress takes industry, and industry creates misery. And if you're going to create progress for somebody, there is going to be somebody on the misery end of that industry somewhere. So the question is... And and, and, and you can actually put another step in there. You can say progress requires industry, and industry requires empire, because you can't have industry without an empire. And then the, um, the industry that that empire creates makes misery for the people at the bottom rung of that Ponzi scheme. But there are the people at the top who are like the like what you could call the visionaries of the progress that are living off the toil of all of these other people's misery. Right. And um, <laughs> it's it's really I mean it's messed up when you think about it that way. But you can't have progress without the empire, the industry, and the misery. It's, well, I mean, it's, I think it's like, you, and, and, and it's not a zero sum game. It is, it is a, it is a, it is an exponentially increasing in complexity game. You know, so. but but I don't, I don't know if I, if I entirely agree with that because I mean, as I said, if you go back to, I mean, okay, I'm going too far back in history, I think, but uh, when you say industry, are you talking about modern industry? In I'm talking about factory wage labor. Okay, okay, all right, toiling away for you know their entire lives. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm 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 very much against wage labor. Uh, <laughs> I think that that's that, you and Karl Marx. Me, Go to the library, you hippie. Me, Karl Marx, and Noam Chomsky. So you know, no, I guess Noam Chomsky, uh, Noam should go to the library and read a book then too. But well, yeah, you know, an industry is one of those. You know, you call it a necessary evil of the modern world, but you know, that's that's sort of what it is. I don't want to be an apologist. I don't want to be an apologist apologist for industry or corporations but i don't want to be hypocrite because i live at the benefit of the luxury that they provide every day being an american citizen and it's hard for me to just you do but not every american but not every american citizen does though not every american citizen well not every american citizen does but you know i'm middle class i have a computer i own a home but see you know the type of people that are you are getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller the amount of people that are achieving what you have are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. More people are moving into that poorer class that, that, that we were talking about, and less people are where you are. So you don't have room to complain because you say, well, I have and, everything you I know, want. And, and when I hear stuff like that, I have to wonder, is it, is it just a temporary thing or is it a trend? Because, because over time, these trends, the standard of living worldwide over time tends to be getting better everywhere. And the amount of violence and war, although it seems like there's a lot right now, the amount of people killed in violence and war over time is going down 
every year as a trend, not every year. But over time as a trend, standard of living is going up, the amount of people killed in war and violent conflict is going down, the amount of people killed by disease is going down. And you can look at these trends over the long term and say, well, the human, human species is doing okay. Do we get an A-plus on our report card? No. Do we get a fail? No. What no, do we, we get? get we get like a, a C. No, 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 no. We get a, we get a, we get a, we, we, we get a D plus. <laughs> All right, humans. I'll give it a D plus. You know what? I'm a human. I give myself Shape a- Shape up, man. You are the change you want to see in the world. I give myself an F, okay? So, 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 so I'll give society a D plus. How about that? <laughs> You'll give Jonas Salk an A. And I will give Jonas Salk an A, yes. And you'll give Noam Chomsky an A. And I will give Noam Chomsky an A, yes. All right. Because, uh, you know, Jonas Salk uh, provided something to the world for free because he believed that it was his moral duty to do so. And I can respect that. All right. I think that's enough for this episode. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, everybody. You can uh, like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash dose nation. You can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash dose nation you can check out our youtube and soundcloud page our youtube page is youtube.com forward slash dose nation tv which is where that uh, monastic uh series may come out uh and also on soundcloud soundcloud.com forward slash dose nation you can uh, pick up a copy of james's book psychedelic information theory shamanism in the age of reason on our website at www.dosenation.com uh you can buy everything you know through amazon through our website, uh, we get an affiliate credit for that, so please do it. It helps us out a lot. Um, yeah, and actually, it does help us out a lot. So thank you, everybody who's been doing. Yeah, that. Yeah, we really, we really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah, it, it 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 does help us out a lot, and it also um, it uh, you know it brings more information to more people. So and uh, so thanks everybody for the continued support um, and all the great feedback that we've been getting on the Facebook page and through email. Um, you know, we, you know, we really do appreciate it. So James, any final uh, thoughts? Um, no, I'm heading out for a little week of vacation, but, uh, As we should I. be back next week. All right. Well, thanks guys. I hope you, everybody has a, a good and relaxing week. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week. Have a good night, everybody.